May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. So who is my neighbor? This is the question that was asked by the lawyer in today's gospel story. Who is my neighbor? The biblical commentators like to make a big deal out of why the lawyer asked the question. Was he trying to demonstrate just how much smarter he was? Was he testing Jesus? Was it a trap to try and catch Jesus in the wrong? Personally, I don't think it matters why he asked the question. What matters is just how important and how consequential that question actually was then and to us today. It is a poignant and it's a loaded question. It speaks to what is happening in our world and in our own backyard. We need no, look no further than our border and the children separated from their families, frightened and alone in detention centers. And as of this writing, on this Sabbath day, ICE raids are planned for all across the country. On this day, that congregations everywhere hear the psalmist saying to us, save the weak and the orphan, defend the humble and the needy, rescue the weak and the poor, deliver them from the power of the wicked. And it's also a day that we hear this story of the Good Samaritan. It's a day when the lawyer asks, and we are asking, who is my neighbor? And this question speaks to us as followers of Jesus. All we need to do is look around and know exactly how important this question is still for us today. The lawyer was asking the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is it? What is the secret? And Jesus asks, what's written in the law? And the lawyer replies, you shall love your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your strength and all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus tells him, you've given the right answer. Now go and do this, and you will live. Oh, I wonder what the lawyer was thinking when he got that response. Perhaps a biblical version of, you have got to be kidding me. And he's thinking, what about the homeless beggars on the street? Are they my neighbors? Or the, the lepers down on the corner, are they my neighbors? Or all those refugees, are they my neighbors? So as any smart lawyer will do, would do, he asked Jesus a clarifying question. So exactly 
who is my neighbor? Can you make a list? Is there any wiggle room here? And instead of answering the lawyer's question, Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. The story of the Good Samaritan, is, it is so well known that we name hospitals after him. There's one right up the street. The name has become part of our vocabulary. We always talk about, oh, he's such a good Samaritan. There's also entire sections of the legal code in the United States and in Canada known as the Good Samaritan Laws, laws to protect from liability anyone who chooses to help another person who is in some kind of distress. The intent is to encourage bystanders to help someone in need to be a good Samaritan. And that is a needed and good objective. That's the law. But what else is the story telling us? And one of the things I wondered about when I read The Good Samaritan is the title that we have bestowed on this story, The Good Samaritan. Jesus never called him good. So were there bad Samaritans? And at the time of this story, the Samaritans and the Jews had been busy hating each other for the last thousand years. When King Solomon died, the kingdom split in two, and the legacy of that split was political rivalry, ethnic hostility, and religious bigotry. Jews and Samaritans despised each other. So, In the Israelis' mind, they were all bad Samaritans. The Samaritan woman at the well was absolutely shocked that Jesus would even speak to her. You're a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for something to drink? And when the Samaritan village rejected Jesus, James and John essentially wanted to carpet bomb the city. Lord, Do you want us to call fire down and have them destroy them? This parable would have been so shocking to his listeners that day. After hearing about the priest and the Levite walking by, his audience would have been expecting another Israeli would come walking by, help the man in the ditch. A story of simple kindness. But Jesus turns the story on its head. The despised enemy is the one who stopped and cared for the man in the ditch. So in 1996, the Ku Klux Klan and other assorted white supremacy groups held a rally in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Hundreds of protesters turned out to tell the white supremacists that they were not welcome in their town. And at one point during the protest, a man with SS tattoos and a t-shirt emblazoned with a Confederate flag somehow ended up on the protester's side of the fence and a group began to chase him. He was quickly knocked down to the ground. Protesters began kicking him and hitting him with the wooden sticks of their placards. And as people began to shout, kill the Nazi, An 18-year-old black woman, Keisha Thomas, threw herself on top of the man, 
a man that hated her and everyone else who looked like her. She protected him from that mob with her own body. When asked why, she simply said, I know what it's like to be hurt, and I wish somebody had stood up for me. Violence is violence, and no one, no one deserves to be hurt. A news photographer at the time said what was so remarkable was who she saved. She put herself at great physical risk to protect somebody, somebody who probably would not have done the same for her. And he went on to say, who does that in this world? And today, we ask, who is my neighbor? Who was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? There's only one answer to Jesus' question. And the lawyer gives the right one, the one who showed him mercy, the one who did something. Go and do likewise. Jesus flips this story so it's no longer about what does the law say? What are my obligations? What are the rules? doesn't talk about the legal obligations of being a neighbor. But it becomes a question of love in action. He doesn't clarify the law. But in that moment, the law became the gospel. Good news for all. The theologian Sally McFaig writes that the dignity of human beings and the integrity of God's creation rests on our willingness to affirm the value of life, everyone's life. Not just our own lives, or our own tribe, or our own religion, or our own country, or class, or species. We are reminded that there may be political, economic, or personal reasons for an unwillingness to love our neighbor. But there is absolutely no good reasons in the eyes of God. So the question is no longer just who is my neighbor, but who acted as a neighbor. The point not who deserves to be cared for, but rather a demand for all of us to treat everyone that we encounter, however frightening, however different, however defenseless, whatever their nationality, whatever their legal status, we treat everyone with love and compassion. So this parable, while so well known, is still speaking to us today. It's a parable for all of us. It's not just a lesson in being a helpful stranger, though that's a wonderful thing to do. But it's recognizing that we are all of equal value in the sight of God. We are called 
to see those who are completely unlike ourselves as children of God. We are called to be neighbors without counting the cost, speaking up and standing up for those who have been left behind on the side of the road. It's a parable for us today. It's about the transforming power of God at work in our lives, showing us the way of love and compassion to all those we encounter everywhere, every day. The time is now. God is calling us. So love God. Love your neighbor. Be a neighbor. Go. Go and do likewise. And let us live into the fullness of life. Amen.